Hey, gracious God, I thank you for everyone who um, participated in Reset and for everyone who's part of Serve Day. I thank you for what you are doing through our community. Um, and I pray that we would just be a means of grace and that we would put your love on display to the world. Amen. So I was listening um, this past week, I was listening to a, 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 an episode of On Being, um, which is an NPR show, uh, and she was interviewing um, David Brooks, uh, Krista Tippett, who's the host, was interviewing David Brooks and uh, E.J. De, e. Dion, and they were talking about religion um, and politics in America. And um, one of the things that, that really struck me, um, I'm totally blanking, what am I, why would, I had a whole point. I, I, I totally, I didn't write this down. This, this came to me as I was thinking about the beginning of the sermon. Um, you should just go listen to the entire interview. That's the, that's the point of, uh, you know what the real point is, how that I'm getting old. Um, yeah, it's crazy. You should go listen to that. It, also, uh, I realize that maybe a lot of people don't listen to On Being, and it's kind of a weird thing that I do. You should listen to it. Um, but last night, I uh, went to a Halloween party, and my wife and I went as um, Fraser Crane and Lilith, um, and we realized exactly how old we were when everyone first said, who are you? And then we thought, well, you know, we just didn't do a very good job in our costumes. And then their next question, and we, so we explained, oh, you know, like in Frasier, the, the television show, and people are like, no clue, I've never heard of Frasier. Has anyone heard of the Fra Frasier show? Okay, a few people, okay. I'm not that old, my goodness. Um, well, I mean, I might be if I totally forgot my point I was trying to make. But the point is, where I'm leading, is one of the things about growing older and having kids is that you begin to realize how much of your life you stumble into. You stumble into. You achieve things you never intended to achieve, and you ended up in places that take you completely by surprise. And some of this is a pleasant surprise, but others of it is rather unpleasant. And often, along with this, you are confronted by the idea that the idealized vision of your life, who you want to be and where you hope to be, doesn't reflect the reality of your life. Right? You say you care about justice. You care about justice. You want to be a part of a church that cares about justice. But actually, very little of your life is spent with those people that you say you care, you want to help. Right? You care about being fit but you spend way more time binge-watching um, Netflix than you do in the gym. Spiritually, but you dedicate way more time to other things in your life. And for many of us, it's our good fortune, or our, our, and for many of us, as I was kind of reflecting on it, it's actually our, the, the good fortune or the abundance of our life, the abundance of opportunity, the abundance of choices that keep us from living out the longings of our heart. And as I was thinking about this, I kept hearing the story of the rich young ruler in the back of my head. Like, I could not get away from the story of the rich young ruler. Maybe you've heard it. It goes something like this. There was once a rich young ruler. It's fascinating that the text, particularly Matthew's, which we're going to look at today, Matthew makes sure that he, he indicates that this wealthy person who shows up to talk with Jesus about how he can have the good life, that, that this person, he is, we're told that he was young and he had great wealth. And he comes to Jesus and asks, what must I do to be right with God? And Jesus replies, sell everything and give to the poor. And so the man goes away sad. Now, one of the things I find fascinating is that biblical literists, the people who would say every single piece of scripture is exactly infallible and should be lived out as it's said in the text, 
they don't quite know what to do with the story of the rich young ruler. And in fact, the problem with this is that you can't just dismiss and say it's in one gospel. The story of the rich young ruler is in three of the four gospels. Three of the four gospels, we get a story of a man coming to Jesus asking, what must I do to be right with God? And God says, sell everything and give to the poor and then come and follow me. And then the man walks away sad. And as I thought about the image of this young person with abundance, I couldn't help but see the faces on the sidewalk of Washington, D.C. I couldn't help but see the faces of young people walking toward, to their job on Capitol Hill or walking to their office in down. In fact, as I thought about young people who have been given the gift of abundance, I couldn't help but think of many of you. Right? Some of you have, have been gifted with the abundance of education. You have bachelor's degrees and master's and doctorates and JDs and, and MDs and every other letter after your name you can imagine. Some of you have an abundance of opportunity. You have been given a number of incredible opportunities in your life. Some of you who have an abundance of relationship. You have so many incredible friendships and people who help make life meaningful. Some of you, some of you, if we're just honest, have an abundance of privilege. Right? You have an abundance of privilege. And even the least privileged person in this room, right, just the very fact that you are in this room, just the very fact that you live in the city, just the very fact that you live in our country, carries with it a certain amount of privilege right, compared with others around the globe. Some of you have been gifted with an abundance of talent. And others of you, if we're just real, have been gifted with an abundance of money. You have so much money, this is true, you have so much money that you don't have to budget or to think about what you're, if you're gonna have enough money. There's just always enough money in your bank account. You buy whatever you want, whenever you want, because there's going to be enough. That's abundance. And like the rich young ruler though, like the rich young ruler, you know intuitively that you're missing something. Right? We're going to see this when we look at the story a bit deeper, but the rich young ruler, even when Jesus seems to say that he's doing all the right things, keeps pressing Jesus because there is a longing in his heart. He knows that he has not achieved that which his heart longs for. Right? You feel, because even though you have an abundance, you feel overwhelmed. You feel anxious. You feel overextended. See, and here's what I believe, that in spite of our abundance, or because of our abundance, abundance we feel a scarcity right? it's our abundance that causes the scarcity that we feel in our lives because even those with us that have an abundance of money that you never have to think before you you slide the credit card right you feel there's not enough and even those of you who have an abundance of relationships some of you feel alone and even those with an abundance of opportunity feel unsettled because you're always wondering, is there something better? Is there a better place to live? Or is there a better job just around the corner? And so this, this morning, I want to kick off our series on abundance by looking at the story of the rich young ruler and see what we can learn in our own lives. Uh, oh, I totally remember what I was going to say about David Brooks. Um, <laughs> this actually fits better here. I'll make a note. And and it's good. Tonight, they're going to be wowed. They're going to be like, wow, that was a perfect illustration right in that spot. And I worked it out on you here this morning. Um, but, but one of the things um, but David Brooks talked about, um, I totally just forgot again. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I really should just make a note. This is why I have to write down all, all of my... Um, this is awful. 
I knew it was going to come back to me. You really should just listen to the episode. Maybe you'll figure it out. Um, yeah, cannot remember. It totally came to me in that instant. So if you have your Bibles, let's just forget this ever happened. Turn with me. Turn with me to Matthew 19. Matthew 19, beginning with verse 16. That's going to drive me nuts. Um, a man approached Jesus, and he said, Teacher, what good thing must I do? I think it's interesting that even the wording he, he uses. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Because one of the things we see is, one of the things we know is there's nothing we can do to, to, to re- receive the gift that God offers, right? But he wants to do something. And he was searching for happiness and satisfaction for peace with God. He wanted to be a part of the kingdom that Jesus had described so eloquently. One of the things we see about Jesus is, I will make you a fisher of men. This is not like just a a comment that's tossed off. In 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 the culture that Jesus is a part of, incredible rabbis were often known as fishers of men. Another way of saying it is they are fishers of your brain. They want to capture your imagination. And so Jesus, through the stories he tells and through the pictures that he paints, often through parables, is painting a picture of the world as it could be. And so my guess is that Jesus has just got done painting an eloquent picture of the kingdom of God. And so this rich young man wants to be a part of the eternal life of the kingdom that Jesus has so eloquently described. There is a longing in his heart that he's he's trying to fill, and, and he is thinking in terms of addition. He is someone who has a lot, and he's thinking, I just need a bit more. Because those of us with abundance, we always feel that we, or we often feel we can fix a problem by adding something. More money or more opportunity. The answer is just more, more of something. We just can try harder. And he, like the Pharisees, had been thinking in terms of keeping the rules and regulations. He was hoping to gain a right standing through the abundance of the good works that he does. And so Jesus replies in verse 17, why do you ask what is good? Why do you ask, what is, what do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you want to enter eternal life, keep the commandments. Jesus replies, and we see this in some of the other versions even a bit more, there's a bit of agitation in Jesus' voice. This guy thinks if he just keeps a checklist, then he'll be right with God. And so, so when Jesus says, okay, keep the commands, and the rich young ruler replies, okay, which ones? Jesus sighs at this point. It's not in the text, but I know he does, or he rolls his eyes. And so he just begins, he begins to rattle them off. He's like, you are smart, you are educated. Do you not know these? Okay, I'll tell you. Then Jesus said, don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. And then Jesus adds, these are all from the Ten Commandments, and then Jesus adds what we've been talking about over the past five weeks. He adds, and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the commandments that you should be keeping. And and, and the young man then replies, oh, well, I've done all those. And then this is fascinating because he says, so, it, th- because the first is Jesus, like, keep the commandments. And he's thinking, well, I've kept the commandments. Which ones? Just to make sure. And Jesus tells them. And he's like, oh, I've done all those. But yet, there's still a longing. There's still an emptiness. There's still a hunger. He knows, what am I still missing? That's 
it's a fascinating line. Like, I just pass over that. But, like, this guy knows that there's something out else that he is missing. And so Jesus re- replies, if you want to be complete, or some versions read perfect, if you want to be complete, go and sell what you have and give the money to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. And the story ends, we're told that this young man with abundance, that he walks away in grief. Because what, what he realizes, what he realizes is that the life that he longs for, the life that he feels a hunger for, the life that he feels a calling towards, requires making a choice. And for us, the life we want, the life we have been called to, requires choices. Jesus is always very clear about this, right? Come and follow me and leave this thing behind. Leave behind your family or leave behind your wealth. There's always to to follow, to, to have the life that Jesus calls us to requires making a choice. In a story about worry and thinking about the future, Jesus says, look, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well. But following Jesus means that you make choices. It means making sacrifice, uh, making a sacrifice. It means deciding what matters most. And the problem, and this is the problem that abundance causes, right? This is the problem with abundance is because we are forced to make a choice and we don't want to give up anything. And many of you, Jesus has placed a calling on your life. He's called you to pursue something bigger. He's called you to live in a different way from the dominant story of your day. And I don't know what that is for you. It might mean the way you might mean the career path you're on. It might mean the way you steward your wealth. It might mean relationships. But there's something that you have been called to that you feel you feel nagging in your heart. But that requires making a choice of leaving something behind. Because Jesus wants to offer us life and abundantly. But many of us are making choices that limit our freedom to pursue what matters most. Let's take steps, and, and I am completely aware that this, this series is, will fall short, right? There's only so much I can do blathering up front at you, right? You're going to have to do some of the hard work yourself, right? But I hope just to, to spark your interest that you will then take the next step and figure out what this looks like for you. So over the next couple weeks, I want to help us figure out what it means to leverage our time and our talents and our resources towards what matters most. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, right, I think there's still something that you will be able to learn in the process, and I hope maybe even be compelled to figure out what this means. See, we were created, we believe that we were created to join God in the renewal of all things. We were created to seek the flourishing of creation. We were created for relationship. We were created to make a difference in the life of another person. And at the core, at our core, each of us wants these things. We want to make a meaningful difference in the world. Right? Every one of you wants to make a difference in the life of another person. We want to devote time to personal spiritual disciplines, or we want to have a time for Sabbath. There's all these things that we say we want and we say we value, but they get squeezed out by the immediate because we haven't decided, like the rich young ruler, what matters most. And so I want to end today rather pragmatically. Right? I don't have like 10 scripture verses to give you um, to figure this out, but I want to end a bit pragmatically. 
there's a few things I want you to realize. The first is, your life is made up of choices. Your life is made up of choices. Every morning is a new day, and it's full of decisions and opportunity. All throughout your day, you, you are making choices. Now, we could get into the idea of determinism or free will, and are the choices you made right, actually determined? I mean, some research shows that 97% of the choices that you make in the day, really creepy to think about, that 97% of your day is predetermined, right? This, we can take it out, like, we're taking it out of the theological realm. Like, we are just right now in, like, the psychological realm. I, I don't even have, I'm not smart enough to argue with you about free will and determination and theological realm. But the second thing is, so your life is made up of choices, but the second thing, culture has a story to tell. Culture has a story to tell which shapes the choices that you make, right? The things that you value. Your story, the culture is always trying to tell you a story about what matters most, and scripture is trying to tell you an alternative story. Jesus is trying to tell you an alternative story. In living an intentional life, and that's what we're going to talk about here, what's it mean to live an intentional life? Living an intentional life will require you to take a step back and evaluate where you're headed. What story defines you? Will it be the story that says that seek first Jesus' kingdom and all these other things will be added unto you? Or is the story that might makes right and the person with the most toys at the end of the day wins? What story defines you? And then the other thing is, I want you to begin to do some self-examination. I want you to begin to ask, who are you, and, and, and what do I want to be about? So here's just a few questions I want you to ask yourself. What matters most to me? Now, I'm not looking for Sunday school answers. Jesus, right? That's, that's good. I hope that's true. But, but that's like, seriously, like, have an honest conversation. If this thing was stripped away from you, which thing matters most, right? Is it, is it your job, right? If you were to lose your job today, would you go into a complete tailspin or your career or money or relationships? Like, what is that thing that matters to you most? Is it personal freedom? Is it travel, right? Is it being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, to go wherever? Maybe it's prestige. Maybe it's the way that other people think about you. Just what is it that matters to you most? And then the next question is, what is your ultimate purpose? And again, it's not Sunday school answers, but like, what is that thing that you're, what is that, what's the ultimate purpose, the ultimate goal of your life? What is that thing that you're living towards? All of us are held, cap- are held captive by a picture of the world, right? All of us are held captive. There's something that you are living to, towards. What is that thing? And if you're a follower of Jesus, I'd give you two verses as you're figuring out what your ultimate purpose is to kind of throw in the hopper as you're thinking through this. Mark 12, 30 and 31, and Micah 6, 8. I'm not going to give them to you. You can go look them up. The next, the next question is this. Who are you? And uh, the discovery class, we, on the third Sunday of the month, we do a class called Discovery where we look at spiritual gifting and personalities. But who are you? What's the unique fire in your belly? What's the dream that God has given you? What's the personality that God has given you? What's the skill set that God has given you? The temperament. Who are you? And then here's the final question. This one's a difficult one. And it's a little morose. In the end, in the end, what will matter? Um... Uh, a preacher I like, a guy by the name of John Ortberg, he tells this story that um, growing up, him and his grandmother would always play Monopoly. 
And he said his grandmother was the most holy, sweet lady you've ever met until you played Monopoly with her. And then he said she was ruthless. And he said she dominated the Monopoly board. And it drove him nuts as a very competitive child that his old grandmother could just destroy him in this game. And at the end of every game when she would beat him mercilessly, she would always say, someday, John, you'll learn to play the game. And he said, so one, sun, one summer, he played Monopoly with his friends every single day. He played it for hours and hours on end every day. And he said, by the end of that summer, he was unstoppable. He had learned how to play the game. He had learned that the person with, he had learned to dominate the board, to collect all the money he can, to collect all the property he can, to build all the houses and the hotels on Monopoly board that he could. And he played his grandmother, and he destroyed her. And he said he, you know, did a jig around the living room, and he said, and as she was putting away the Monopoly pieces, she's like, you did a good job today, John, but there's one thing I want you to remember, that in the end, it all goes back in the box, right? In the end, it all goes back in the box. And Ortberg says, you have to decide, you have to ask yourself, when you finally get the ultimate possession you've always wanted, or when you finally have made that ultimate purchase, or you have the ultimate home, or the ultimate financial security, or that ultimate job, then what? Bonnie Ware did research with people who were dying and their regrets. And she said at the end, the top five regrets that people had were as follows. The first one is this, I wished I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not what others had expected of me. And second, she said, I wished I hadn't worked so hard. Or they said they hadn't wished I hadn't worked so hard. Third, they said, I wish I'd had the courage to express my true feelings. Fourth, they said, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. And fifth, they said, I wish they'd let myself be happier. See, like the rich young ruler, our abundance is getting in the way of what we ultimately want. Our abundance of choices and opportunities and of, of resources, and for some of us, even our abundance of relationships can cause us to miss out on the thing that matters most. And the thing is, it's hard to let go of abundance. But unless we embrace scarcity, or rather letting some things go, we will never have abundant life. And so over the next few weeks, over the next few weeks, I want to begin to help us explore, just scratch the surface of what does it mean to live a life of gratitude? And what does it mean to steward our time and our money well? But ultimately, this is a call to go deeper, to do the hard work of figuring out what matters most. Let's pray. God, over the next few weeks, we're going to try to ask ourselves some questions about what matters most and think about the way that we steward the resources you have given us. And I pray that your spirit would just rest on us and that you would, that you would guide us, that you would prod us with questions that would get to the core of our being, that you would help call into questions the choices that we are making, and that you would help us to think about what is that thing that we are living towards. pray that you would, you would give us the, the courage to make the difficult choices as we figure out what matters most.